Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content like an acoustic performance from today's guest, Jason Nix. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow and maybe even leave us a review while you're there. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome Jason Nix. Now, Jason was born in Nashville as his dad was chasing a career in music. At the age of five, his family moved to South Mississippi where he grew up. Now, as soon as he was able, Jason took off to Nashville to follow in his dad's footsteps and chase a career in country music. He attended Belmont University, and after graduation, he had a few stages within his career. He played in a cover band along Lower Broadway. He played as a guitarist for other artists, and then he moved into songwriting. In 2020, after many years of waiting and wanting, he finally released his own original music. Earlier this year, he released his new single, Marijuana, which he hopes will turn into a bit of an expansive concept album in the future. So please enjoy our conversation with Jason Nix. People might know your new music, but your journey goes far beyond that. And going all the way back, I mean, you're from Nashville originally, sort of. You were born in Nashville, but then moved to South Mississippi when you were, I think, five. So what did your parents do that they were in Nashville and then moved away? My mom was uh, a tax auditor and <laughs> so she worked for the IRS for years and years and years. And um but you know, she she was able to move with that. My dad was a musician, so he he played uh, bluegrass up here, and um, there's not a lot of money in it, you know, or there wasn't at that point for him. And so I think I was part of the reason we, they had to move uh, to move. And their parents, both their parents, were in Mississippi, and so that was a good move, man. It was. Um, I'm proud to have grown up there. Uh, the way that I did, I, I did get back to Nashville as fast as I could. Right. <laughs> I, I watched my dad struggle growing up with just like, you know, he, he I imagine he feels the same way about music as I do that. Like he was, it's something like you're born to do. It's almost like an, uh, an illness, you know, a disease. I do compare it to that a lot, you know, cause it's like, it, for something to be so strong that uh, people would do it regardless of what kind of uh, situation it puts them in, like it's got to be pretty crazy. So I think that's, I think that's what happened. I watched, you know, my dad and mom moved to be closer to family after they had me. I think money was an issue. I don't know. I can't confirm that, but, right. uh, but they did, they did move and it was, but it was great to be in Mississippi to grow up there. I'm, I am glad to be back up here you know, yeah. up here being like the Nashville area. I don't even live in Nashville anymore. I also can't afford it. So oh, okay. <laughs> I, moved. Yeah, I moved, I moved out too, man. Um, we moved a few years ago, like a little more than an hour and a half outside of town. And I'm right now looking at my neighbor's uh, cows got out last night and just destroyed my front yard. Oh, so wow. 
I'm like looking, I'm looking at that through the window. So it's like, there's pros and cons, you know, you either have to deal with people or cows. I prefer the cows. Right. Yeah. If, if, uh, and it was a huge storm. So it's like, there's mud everywhere. There's like, you know, there's prints all over the windows where they put their noses. If that's the worst (laughs) I have to deal with and I'm okay, man, I can handle that. That's hilarious. And so when your dad was in Nashville, was he trying to make a go of it as a musician within the city? They were, man. They were. I mean, my dad is incredibly talented and it's not like riding a bicycle. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it. But right uh, back then, I remember being um, like a, a neighbor. Like I would just go with him to band practice anytime he would let me as a kid. And I obviously couldn't go to the shows and stuff, but um, but yeah, I, I was he was he was making a go at it for sure, you know. Now, he also grew up in Mississippi, so it's for him to like come back, I think probably hurt a little bit, but yeah, um, but yeah, he was he was making strides up here, and I was too young to see that then, but you know, after probably I around like the age of 10 or something, I remember like seeing videos and being like, yeah, like. You know, my 10 year old self would have never said, damn, but <laughs> imagine like he would like, he was doing it. Like he actually, like he gave some stuff up to, to leaving and go back, you know? So, um, yeah, uh, it, that in itself is an inspiration for me to keep going. I'm not, you know, I'm no like young buck anymore. So it's at this point, it's getting tough. It's getting harder. I've got a kid of my own now and I, I can totally see why, you know, he chose to do that because it's not easy and it's not as fun as it used to be in my early twenties. It's like, <laughs> it's like hard. It's hard, man. I'm, I used to jump on the opportunity to hop in a uh, 15 passenger bus and drive, you know, play a gig and drive 14 hours through the night, set up and play another one. Now it's like, can I just, can I, will they, will they arrest me if I sleep in this Walmart parking lot? You know, it's like, I need, right. I need somewhere to like, yeah, lay down for a little bit. So Times change, but yeah. And so along this journey, I mean, I saw a photo that you put on Instagram of you sitting on the your front steps, I believe, with your dad. You were, I don't know, three, maybe three, four, and you were playing yeah. the harmonica and he was playing the guitar. And it was written on the back that he was determined that you would be a musician one day. And so <laughs> yeah. within his journey, I mean, the fact that he sort of had to give up his dreams in Nashville, whatever his dreams were, did he ever have a cynical approach to you wanting to chase a career in music? Or was he always very supportive of that, even though he didn't necessarily see the good side of the of the career? No, he was, I never remember him or my mom being cynical. And I think if anybody had a reason to be cynical, it'd be my mom. But they were both very supportive in in completely different ways but mostly i mean they both knew the reality of what was coming down the pipe i mean when you started saying that like about what was written on the back of that picture because i know what picture you're talking about the first thought that comes into my mind now is why would anyone wish that on their kids (laughs) but but it i think they knew they knew if that happened like how hard it would be but they never they never told me no, uh, like that you should. Well, they told me no plenty of times. That's right. the wrong way to put it. They, they never told me you should do something else. You should, 
you should do this. You should do that. They never said that. So they, they were a hundred percent supportive and they helped me move back up here. It, like right after I graduated high school financially and, um, and literally, you know, I didn't have, I, I sold a car to move up here. I sold my car to move up here and they drove me and all my stuff. So yeah, they, and they've, they've been a huge help. They've been, they still are. I mean, they, I, you know, as a grown man, they let me move in with them on my, I'm trying to finish building this house. So it's like, it's nonstop, man. They, they were then and are still now really great. Wow. And you mentioned selling your car. I know cars are a big thing for you as well. And I wanted to ask about, I think it's your great Papa's 54 Bel Air that I think is still in the family and just sort of what that means and what cars have meant for you along this journey, especially ones that have stayed within the family. Well, I mean, that, I mean, that car is like a quarter mile up the hill right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they baby that one. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I hated them growing up because oh, my yeah? dad, my dad did it. And um, it's not, it's not that I hated my dad. It's just that I always, he wanted me to be a part of those things with him. And then every time I would go to help him, I'm sure a lot of young guys feel the same way. He would scream at me for not knowing what, what tool he was asking for right. holding the flashlight in the wrong place. And I, at a certain point I was like, screw this. I don't want anything to do with cars. And, um, and then I got, and then, so I got divorced and I was like, well, I'm not spending my money on expensive shoes anymore or school. So I should, <laughs> I should buy something that I can dump all my money into. Right. And uh, it turns out a car is a great way to do it. You know, if you want, if you just have a surplus of money or not, because I'd never have and, and will likely never will. Um, if you need something to spend money on a car, it's a great way to do it. So, but I did that. And, um, and again, my, my dad was there and, and helped me build that one and then bought a truck. And then it's, uh, it, you know, it, it sounds stupid. And um, I've heard, my friend Jonathan Singleton say this, but this is, it, it begins to make more and more sense, but it was literally just something to do, like to take my mind off of everything else that was happening. Right. And, and I, I don't think he means it in that way, but, but you know, it, it, it applies in that situation for me, but it turned out great. I met some of my best friends in the world because of cars and I joke around a lot, but I was like, if you want to find good people in the world, just, pull into the back of like a business parking lot and pop your hood. And then you'll find out who like where the good ones are. They'll come to you. I right. think that's like the way to know, like who's, who's going to be there ready to help when you need it. But um, yeah, I, it, it's not just the, for me, it's like not just the cars, it's the people around them. And um, I don't know. I just, I've, I've met some really great men, honestly, some real, some of the best dudes in my life are, are because of, my car so it's, it's just good it's good and i love to drive so there's right. nothing i can't say anything bad about it except that it breaks down on me all the time but that's okay that's story right. of my life and as far as music goes i saw you mention that driving in your driving with your dad when you were younger you had to pick a harmony when you were singing along to the radio, he wouldn't let you sing the melody. And so never let me within, sing the melody. within that experience, I mean, were you 
pushed? Like, did you enjoy singing all the way along? Or was it like with cars that you almost resented it because you were maybe being pushed a little harder than most kids are with music? No, I, I didn't resent it at all. For me, that was, uh, I don't know, man. I, I Like there are things that like come to certain people really naturally. And there's a ton of those things that don't come naturally to me, like anything athletic. Like I played baseball up through high school and you can ask any of those guys that were on that team with me how athletic I am. That's not one of the things that like comes naturally to me. I have to work very hard. You don't want to see me skateboard. That's it. And I don't want to see me skateboard. I would be like in a, a full body cast by the time it's over. Right. So like, but the thing that does come naturally, naturally to me is like hearing those parts. But at that age, you know, you're just like developing your ear. And, and that I think was more helpful than anything, but he made it fun too. Cause you know, I, he'd be like, okay, sing the high harmony or sing the low harmony. And to this day, I still struggle more with finding the low harmony. Cause I, I, just remember listening to Vince Gill do his harmonies over passes and, and stuff like that. And I would try to mimic his parts and the way he like weeds in and out of those things are incredible. But um, so I learned a lot from him and like, I remember Diamond Rio. I love Diamond Rio. And, but the biggest one I think for that I got from my dad was uh, Union Station. And to this day, like Allison Krauss and Union Station, those like, the I don't know you learn music you learn chords like how that how they're stacked the movement of music and especially in with as musical as Allison is and and Dan Kaminsky and Ron Block and Jerry Douglas and God, if if they ever hear this and I and I don't remember the bass player's name he's probably going to come kill me but anyway yeah so the way that music moves I think gave me it was harder to hear that and it still is if you listen to it today, it's like, damn, it's complicated, but um, it was fun for me. It was a challenge in a good way, as opposed to the cars, because in South Mississippi, it's like so humid. You feel like you're swimming through the air and it's like a hundred degrees in the summer. There's not a bone in my body now, especially that like wants to be out doing that in this heat. And that's always when it was, he always picked that time to do it. He's like, well, we got to fix one. So no, it, there's to answer your question in long form, um, I never resented the music part of it ever. And so from day one, was Nashville always the dream? Like, was there an age or a point where you sort of developed that dream or for as long as you can remember, has it always just been there? No, it was always, well, at the beginning, it was always Nashville because I was born there. <laughs> and then um, closer to high school graduation, it was Nashville and I went to school there and then I started to really think about moving out to Texas because I, um, I saw I'd made some friends from Texas and learned about the music coming out of Texas and it, and I, I don't know I always considered that too um, like even if it was you know I think at that t at the time it was specifically Austin but uh, I man yeah for the most part yeah it was always Nashville and you went to school in Nashville, did you? I did. I did. I actually, I listened to an interview that you did with Ryan Griffin. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I did. I went to school at Belmont. I met, I actually used to, I played for Ryan for a while. Oh, okay. that was my, that was my gig, man. And so the one thing that my dad gave me with 
you know, making me sing harmonies was essentially gave me a, a, a great opportunity to be a sideman. And I made a, a pretty, a, like a, a decent living at that for years, like for yeah. nine years. And so I played, I played guitar and piano for different artists. Ryan was one of them. I met Kanan Smith there and I played uh, with him on the Sugarland tour there. And I was, you know, freshman year, I was down the hall from Tyler Hubbard for Georgia Lion. Me and him were buddies. And then Ryan Hurd was down the other, on the same floor, same hall, down the other side. You know, it's like, it was a crazy, uh, I think a lot of people have stories that went to school there, you know. Yeah. Um, especially around Nashville, because it is such a tiny town. But it was crazy that we all were in that building that same year on the same floor. And to see what those guys have done has, has been awesome, too, obviously. You know. So when you left Belmont, did you have a goal? Did you have something you were working towards or had you already sort of got into the sort of side man stage and you kind of just flowed into that after graduation? There was a lot of floating, but I got married the day after graduation. So I was not oh, wow. worried about anything except that girl. And um, I would have... I, I say that, but it quickly turned into like, oh, I need to make money. And so, yeah. And, and then it, it really, I was doing any pretty much side man gig I could find. I was also working at a, a dog daycare right on cue. Yeah, at exactly. A dog, at a dog daycare in uh, downtown and where, you know, I would sit and just be like me in a room full of 50 huge dogs and had a great time until I got bit. And then I was like, okay, I'm out of here. If that was my hand, then, you know, I'd have been screwed. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, I did, I did a lot, I did a lot. And then that didn't last very long. The marriage, not the dog daycare. The dog daycare right. lasted longer than the marriage, oh, wow. which, you know, so, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it, it's right after that, right after the divorce is when I was like, okay, I bought the car and then I really started hitting it. It just lined up perfectly that I, I met Kanan shortly after that. I was playing at the hard rock for a mutual friend of ours, Matt and um, Kanan just happened to be there. And he said, Oh, Hey, I'm going on radio tour. Would you come play guitar for me? And I said, um, yeah, when do you need me? You know, yeah. I was like, any, anything I can do to get out of town, please slash pay my rent. And um, so, yeah, and, and that was crazy. I mean, we hopped on, he had just signed with um, Mercury, which is Universal, or it was Universal Records at the time, and they put us on a tour bus. And then that was my first like major gig as a sideman. You know, he was. It was in 2012, right after. I remember the first show that we did was the show after that big accident with Sugarland, where the stage had collapsed. It right. Was, it was awful, and we we wound up coming into that show after, and everybody was you know, obviously still like it was super quiet and very strange, you know, but we came back for the tour after and um, Jennifer and Christian were, were really great. And I, I had so many great opportunities and experiences and so many really stupid, fun memories with Kanan. It's so much. I, I actually, I ran across some videos yesterday that probably shouldn't be shared with the public, but I just, I laughed my ass off. Cause I'm thinking, you know, that that was, 
a very long time ago at this point. Like I joke and say, well, it was like 50 pounds ago, but it was like the, the stuff that we would get into. I'm thinking they're like 12 year old boys. It's like, it's a wonder we didn't get arrested for just being stupid, you know, not necessarily doing anything illegal, but yeah, those are those, it, it took a really bad time in my life and turned it into one of the most memorable times of my life. I had so much fun. Right. And now I think I saw that you also played in a cover band on lower Broadway for a period of time. Now talk about what that experience is like, because a lot of people who are chasing a dream in Nashville, that's as far as they're going to get. So what is that experience like of playing there and doing that night after night? My experience is that it's, I think it's less about getting stuck there. It's a choice people make because, I mean, would you give up? This is, and this is the thing that I had to struggle because I had to give up. I made better money on Broadway where I could, I I could be home every night, sleep in my own bed, go play music and make a, a good living. I made better money doing that than actually being on the road playing my own music especially wow. now i make a lot better money now right but you know these days you can make a killing because nashville is such a, uh, a hot spot at the moment so wow and i know people who make really great money it's like stripper money it's what it is they make it's like essentially you're a stripper but my view on broadway is is that it is uh it's a black hole because of how easy it is it's not easy to get into but once you get into it and you get a rhythm um it's it's hard to leave because it is so convenient right yeah um and so you do you do have to give up the convenience of it if you want to move to move forward you know i ever think everybody's version of moving i wasn't happy with broadway but i did it for a lot of years and even when I was on the road, if there was, if we had a weekend off or during the week, I mean, I would play it Wednesday, Thursdays. And if I was in town, I'd play Fridays. And um, my brother has spent years doing it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a job. It, I mean, music itself is a job. Everybody has a job. There are parts about it that you love and parts about it that you hate. I yeah. grew to hate Broadway. Um, but and I still really don't like going down there, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like CMA Fest is coming up. And um, had we not booked shows out west, I, I was I got asked to, to fill in on a spot down there. And I was like, oh, I do not want to go to Broadway <laughs> anywhere near it. I don't want to do it. Um, but I, it, what it did, the good thing about Broadway was it gave me it gave me I only did one set a night. So four hours no breaks. It, it built my chops as a musician. I bet. And also gave me carpal tunnel. So I don't, you know, there, you just have to weigh it out, man. You like to this day, if I start playing, I just have, uh, I should probably go see if I get surgery. It's just can't feel my fingers. Who knows oh, what's really? going to happen down there. Yeah. But it's, it's fine. It comes and goes. Right. But yeah, lots of good things about Broadway. Actually, there's a few good things about Broadway and a lot of reasons that I would prefer not to do it. But I do think that if somebody's moving to Nashville and um, is a musician, I think it's a great way to meet a lot of other musicians because now that I'm booking my own full band shows, you know who I'm calling? It's the guys that I, that I struggled with on Broadway for years. I'm calling those guys. I mean, my buddy Josh Mallard is 
playing drums for like for me now and i was like man well do you know you know if if the other guys that i know are or stay at home, you know, staying at home, working in studios and being dads and family men and don't want to be on the road. Right. The guys that I wind up getting the really crazy talented ones are guys that I played with um, on Broadway. So there's, there's more good than I, than I even see at this right. moment, but yeah, it, it's a tough, it's a tough place, man. Great place to cut your teeth, but you can lose your soul really uh, easily. Dumb. Right. Yeah. So let's sort of talk about the next stage of your career. And in around 2016, you signed a publishing deal. Now, did you sort of step away from the gig playing and move more into full-time songwriting? Or at that point, were you doing both? Uh, at the beginning, I was doing both. But I was kind of, I was easing my way out of, um, out of playing Broadway because I knew that, um, I knew that what needed to happen, the reason I moved to Nashville was to be an artist and I couldn't do, I can't be an, an artist. In my mind, I couldn't be an artist and play other artists songs. And so I needed to ease my way out of that. The, my manager at the time, my buddy Jared was like, we should go have some publishing meetings because I mean, that's typically how it works. Um, if someone wants to be an artist, they will usually in Nashville go meet with publishers because everybody wants a piece of anything that you make. And right, yeah. um, publishers will usually be like, Hey, this guy's either good or not good, whatever. But if it's really good, that usually opens more doors within like a label. And um, yeah, we took, I think Jared and I took like over, I think 32 meetings. If I remember, if that's the right number, took oh, wow. a lot of meetings in town and wasn't sure because I hadn't spent a lot of time songwriting before then I, I wrote by myself a little. And so I only had maybe like 30 songs to bring in to these meetings, not great songs. And, um, Josh film Ben Valkenberg at, at Sony, uh, was at the time and, and still is, I think, but he, he called back for a second meeting and was like, Hey, I think there's something here. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that dude, man. I, um, but before then I, I had met a man named Jody Williams who was working at BMI. And at the time I had that meeting, I was, I was working in a warehouse in town and still playing, um, Broadway. So I would play Broadway. We would finish at two 30. I would drive my Honda Odyssey. <laughs> I would load my stuff up in, in the Odyssey and then drive across town to the warehouse. I would sleep in the warehouse or I'd sleep in the van and then open the warehouse by the time I got there, it'd be four o'clock and I would open the warehouse at nine and then work and then go back and play Broadway. Right. And that, that's not like a unique story. I think that happens for a lot of people in town. You know, yeah. that's part of the disease that I mentioned earlier. It's like, it's crazy if something has like, if you want to do something that much that you will do that kind of thing for it. But um, I did that for a while. And until I met Jody Williams, who was at BMI at the time, um, Jody gave me an advance for he gave me enough money and i had three cuts with eli young band at the time when i wasn't signed as you know as a writer because that wasn't my goal to be a writer right they yeah. gave me an advance in order to like cut back to where i didn't have to work as to do as much so i could write more and and possibly get a publishing deal and jody giving me that advance me writing more led to me you know 
meeting Josh from Valkenburg at, at Sony. It was ATV at the time. And then Josh gave me my first publishing deal. And I'm so thankful. I had, I think, $47. And I forget the amount of change left in my bank account the day that Josh signed me. Wow. And um, yeah, it was, man, just like by the skin of my teeth is usually like how it happens in the story of my life. But yeah, it was, yeah, it worked out great, man. But the writing thing was a total accident. And I fell in love with, I mean, I loved it before I had the writing deal. After, I mean, it's, it was a roller coaster ride. There were times that I hated it, but I mean, I love it so much that like, I think that's what happens when you love something so much. Sometimes you hate it too. So, well, you know, I was going to ask, like you mentioned, you had no money then. And off the start of the conversation, you kind of mentioned that you're never going to be in a position necessarily where you're going to have an abundance of money. So while chasing this career, I mean, in 2018, when you jump into being an artist for yourself, finally, I mean, how much anxiety is tied with that because of the fact that you have to do this because you love it. There's no other reason. There is no other reason to do this other than loving it. And so how crazy is that, especially at an older age when you've already done so much in Nashville? Like how crazy was it to jump in as your own artist? I think it's crazier that I've never seen any other path. I think that's why I'm, I'm, there's just no, there's nothing else for me to do. Like, this is, this is it. You know, the stuff that I've daydreamed about since I was a kid. And my dad always says, you know, he always told me, it's like, it's either going to be feast or famine. And that has been true, very true in my life. And, you know, there are really good times and I've, I've learned to, you, you just got to save, 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 save. When the times are good, save, because it's going to get, it'll, it'll be a little tight again, you know, just wait till about um, November to March, early March. <laughs> it's like what you're saving for. I mean, the times they are changing, you know, and things are definitely better than they used to be, believe me, but it always feels like, and, I, and maybe that's true with everybody, man. It always feels like, you know, it's like, man, we're just like barely getting by. I mean, these yeah. days it seems a little strange here in the States, especially, but um, yeah. So I don't know, but there was never another, there's never any other options. I, I, I tell people all the time, this is awful, but I tell people plan B's are made for one night stands. That's, that's it. There was never, uh, there was never a plan B. And so as you've jumped into this, how do you deal sort of with the mental side of the industry? Like I was talking with an artist the other day and she mentioned that she had just released her album and it was amazing. Like the feeling leading up, you're busy, you're doing all this, you're putting out an album, but then the album dropped and there was sort of a low associated with it because everything sort of stops. And now you're just waiting for people to listen to the music and you don't really have anything to do. And within this career, I mean, that's what it is, right? Hurry up, put out music, hurry up, get to a show and play. But there's a lot of time when you're alone with your thoughts and thinking about, you know, what should I be doing or where should I be going? So how do you deal with those times? Do something. I don't, um, (laughs) I don't look at the numbers and I don't, uh, I'm not saying this is the way to do it because I think there's a lot wrong with the way that I do things probably, but I don't have a problem with it. So I'm going to keep doing it until it you know prison room like we put out music i don't look at 
I don't look at the numbers because I've got other things to worry about. I've got songs to write. I've got demos to record. I need to start working on acoustic versions of these songs. I need to mix those. I need to master those. At the time, I've got a house to finish. I've got a one-year-old son to take care of. Like, I don't have time to not, I don't have time to, to think about, oh, I hope this does okay. The thing that I do have to worry about is, am I, am I busting my ass to make sure my family is provided for? Because if the music fails and I try and I worked as hard as I could, then that's okay with me because there's so much music that I can't listen to because I hate. And if people hate my music, that's also okay. Like that's the beautiful thing about like music. You don't have to like it, you know? So if, if they hate it, that's fine, but I love it. And it makes me think that there are other people that will also love it. Um, but as far as that goes, man, I don't, I actually, I, if I am driving, I will have some, I will actually tomorrow, I will have like 17 or 18 hours along with my thoughts. And maybe then I can give you a better answer, but I haven't this past year. I haven't been able to think I'm like, okay, let's go, 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 go. Like, What's next. You know? Cause if I slow down, I think I'm afraid. I think I'm afraid if I slow down, then I will blame any shortcoming on myself for doing that. I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can. Also, probably there, there might be some truth in I keep myself busy to not worry about that stuff. Yeah. Honestly, because I am, I am worried that it, you have to be, I mean, you invest so much time and money into these things. You really do want, to, I do want this stuff. I want people to love it. I know they don't have to, I want people to. So that's the truth. You're getting the Jekyll and the Hyde man today. Yeah. So um, I, I think the reason I don't, I try, I, me staying busy is so I don't spend as much time worried about things I can't control. That's it. Right. Cause yeah. that, like once, once it's out, like I've done, I did my, I did, I can say that I did everything I could and the best job that I could to get this music out. And then my job on that is that's done. Now what's next? I can't worry about that. Cause I did everything I could for that and I did it well. I know right. I did it well. So um, I do want people to love it. Yeah. But it's, it seems like a waste of time for, you know, to not do anything and only worry about that. So I'm just, I try to keep moving, but it is, it is tough. It is tough. And now you released your debut music in 2020 and you just released your new single marijuana, and this is going to lead to a bit of a concept album. So talk about going into writing this song and sort of where you were at as an artist after coming off of your debut music and where you thought you might be headed and then how this song kind of helped take you in a direction that maybe you didn't see coming. This, um, when I wrote this song, this, uh, there was no direction. This entire uh, concept record, eventually it will turn into that. We're just putting out very small pieces at a time. It's a, I don't know much about Star Wars, but I joke and tell people it's kind of like Star Wars. You just get like little vignettes all over the place, right? Right, yeah. They come together. They're all written. They're just not all recorded yet. So um, it's, uh, Marijuana was the first of these songs. I wasn't, um, full circle moment, Jody Williams, who advanced me enough money to be able to start writing music, um, opened up his publishing company again, and now I get to write songs at his company with 
Oh, awesome. His son, Driver, and Ashley McBride and Vince Gill, and Peyton Porter, who's another great artist, and Greg Bates, who I also met at Belmont, who's also another great artist. And uh, so they just, and Harper O'Neill, I think, is there now. Anyway, incredibly talented people, a full circle moment. But I wrote Marijuana with Driver. And um, I really wanted to do, I just was in one of those moods where I was like, I don't want to write anything like heavy. I don't want to think too hard about it. I had this title, Marijuana. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe we can like do part of it and then see if Eric wants to. Eric Church wants to finish it because Driver plays guitar for Eric. Right. Yeah. And um, but we we got on a roll and it was so much fun that I was like, well, we got to finish this. We got to finish this thing. And um, I started doing the demo. Like my, I have a, a little setup. My parent. I mentioned that my parents are kind enough to let uh, like us live with them while the house is being finished. My studio stuff is set up there. I start working on the, <laughs> I start working on the demo and um, I, I was, it was so much fun. I was like, man, I love this. I think I love this song. And, um, and I, so I keep writing songs and I'm turning them into to Jody Williams, which is driver's dad. It's a, it's such a crazy little small circle, how everything has like come together for me. Right. Um, yeah. And Jody and Nina, uh, it was Jenkins at the time but jody and those are my publishers in caroline but jody and nina one day said do you realize that like these are all a story like what are you what are you writing about and you know there's a an old uh saying in town writers just say hey write write what you know right yeah and i I didn't realize but like yeah they are all a story and uh, i think like this entire time i was trying to tell my own story you know in a way that I, I didn't want to tell it, but it was coming out anyway. Right. And yeah. So there, once they, once they, you know, kind of pointed out like, Hey, this song and this song and this song kind of could go to like, do they go together? Like, what's the deal? I'm, I started thinking, I was like, yeah. And this song and this song. And so there turns, there's like 40 of these songs that are the same, you know, that are my story in oh, a wow. lot of ways. Um, and just like vignettes of, of, of things that, you know, that did happen. Some are stretched a little bit and some are a little, some can mean what you want them to mean, but, um, but it's insane, man. It was truly like a little, a happy accident is what it was. Right. And did I see that? Jake Owen put marijuana on hold before you actually recorded it. Yeah. You know what? This says a lot about Jody Williams, but in the publishing world, if you, if a publisher has a piece of a song, then they want to pitch that song to artists. Yeah. Well, Jody heard this song because I wrote it with his son driver mm-hmm. who, who was not um, writing for Jody's company at the time. And neither was I, I was at Sony. Jody heard the song and was like, well, somebody needs to cut this. And Jody pitched it and my, and yeah, Jake had it on hold for a while and, and didn't cut it. And I'm so glad he didn't. I'm so glad he did not, because that means I get to play it anytime I want at my shows and not have to worry about it. So it's fun for me. And so how many songs 
do you have planned? Like you mentioned, there's like 40 that go within this sort of storyline, but in there the are, end, yeah. what's the album going to look like? Do you know yet? Nope. No idea. No idea. And I love it. I worry about it when I get there, you know? I just know that there's a lot more songs that need to be recorded and I've got a lot of like the demos are pretty much ready to go, but um, it's, we're, we're thinking about making this first, like, we're just going to do like three songs that we're going to do like a three pack, if you will. Right. And then giving you the beginning somewhere in the middle and the end. However, I'm like rethinking that. So to be honest with you, I have, I have no idea. Um, I have no idea, but I, the, the goal was, for you to not need to see one, like you can't watch. What am I trying to say? It, it's not built to where if you miss an episode, you can't continue on. Yeah, you, have, right. you don't have to go back and, you know, you don't need the episode. They, they're all standalone, like stories are just, you know, songs as they are. You can enjoy them by, your, by themselves. But um, part of the fun for me was has been like, going back in my catalog and figuring out like, Oh yeah, this, this is part of that story. And like, put it like putting it in order, you know? And there's part of me that like at the end of it all wants to like release something with, with all these songs in chronological order. So people kind of have an idea like where my head was at at the time and kind of can follow the, the thing down, you know, from start to finish. But right. All that is, it, that, that doesn't mean anything unless people care about the music and it, it matters to me. So I want to do that for me, but um, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping people dig just the, uh, you know, the songs as they come. So that's awesome. And I saw when you released your original music a couple of years ago, you had mentioned that the ball was rolling. It was heavy, but it was rolling. Now, how does that feel along this career? Does it feel almost like you get the ball rolling and then all of a sudden this hill comes and you have to push even harder to get it moving again? Um, in, a, in a lot of ways, I do think it depends on the people that you have helping you push. Um, and uh, I was, you know, at the time we released that, I, I love the, the guys that make Wake. And, um, and it was, we were trying to get all this stuff off the ground. And we've, you know, it, things have changed since then. And it, so now it's more of a, it, it felt a little easier for a while like you were starting to maybe go downhill and then, Oh, psych, we're going back uphill again. <laughs> but I think maybe that's just, uh, I think that's just life, man. It's, you know, it's up and down and, and sometimes they're easier than others. And um, th- these days I'm less concerned about how hard it, the, the difficulty is not as all consuming as it was at one point in my life. I, like I feel, um, I feel like, okay, it's tough. So what, you know, dig in, like dig your, dig your heels in. Let's go. We're just going, it's time to push. Like, that's it. So it'll, it'll come and go. Um, I, I love the people I'm working with. Um, the guys at CAA and, and they've been really working hard for me too now. So it, it's fun to get back on the road and, uh, to be able to play these things for like real people. You know, that's the crazy part is like during the pandemic, we were trying to do these shows over, uh, I mean, over Zoom or over like Facebook lives or things like that. And it was yeah. so strange, man. It was so strange for me. I'm not good at social media anyway. It makes me feel so uncomfortable and awkward to be like, hey, guys, what's up? How's everybody <laughs> doing? OK, 
look, I'm wearing gym shorts with old man tennis shoes, but I have a shirt with buttons on it. So that's awesome. You know, it, it's, it's very, it's really strange. I thought I hung up on you on accident, but I'm glad I didn't. No, you're anyway, good. the whole thing is, it feels so, I'm just not good at that. Now my brothers who are younger than me are like better, you know, but it was, a, it was a real struggle for me, man. So I'm really glad to be actually out again with real people and being like, Hey, you worked really hard, spent the money that you earned to be here. Thank you. Now, let me play and sing my ass off for you and do what I do. And you just sit back and enjoy yourself. <laughs> you know, Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. prefer that over like singing in front of a screen any day of the week. So, yeah, exactly. And one last thing, just within this journey that we've talked about of where you started and singing with your dad in the truck and this up and down journey that has taken you in so many directions sort of as you look back on that journey what are your thoughts and and your feelings about where you are today oh man i'm so i'm so grateful for all of it even well especially the times that i thought were the, it's like um man i really i really think we don't have a clue about what's going on and we're we're not smart enough to like to really know the the purpose of anything and there were t- there are times in my life that i've been like this is awful like why God, you know? Yeah. And then it, it turns into like the most beautiful thing. And so I don't know, I've kind of learned in a lot of ways, like, Hey, it feels, it feels hard right now. Things feel tough. It's, it's okay. You know, things, everything is going to be okay. Um, I, but I'm so, I'm so thankful for all of it, man. Um, and I'm glad that it, it taught me and continuing to teach me that lesson. I haven't like learned that lesson fully, which is scary. But um, yeah, man, I, I, all of it, it, it worked out and it is working out exactly as, uh, as it was planned for me, I believe. And, um, you know, I don't really have any control. I'm just really trying to enjoy the ride. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Jason for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out his new single, Marijuana, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content like a very special acoustic performance from Jason. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow and maybe even leave us a review if you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you once again so much for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music